Hey everyone, welcome to Why We Advocate, a podcast brought to you by the YMCA CE programs and your two co-hosts, Kelly and myself. Um, a little bit about what got us into this podcast. We were inspired when we were in high school by the YMCA CE programs, both Model United Nations and Youth in Government. These programs um, instilled in us values about servant leadership and using your voice and finding community that have impacted not only the two of us, but generations of students that have gone through them. Um, even if you're not a part of these programs, we hope that you find value and inspiration in our podcast. Absolutely, Bravin. We really want to inspire young students up and coming to take charge of the political process and really be the change that they want to see in the world. And I think that the guests that we have lined up for this season of Why We Advocate is really going to help drive some of these conversations and inspire you to get involved because they're everyday people just like you are and they're doing incredible things. And it just takes knowing your why and knowing how you can make your impact. And so that's what we're going to discuss. Um, and our first guest, I think, really, really is going to be inspiring. And Robin, I know you're really excited about him. So do you want to go ahead and introduce him? Yes, our first guest is a man that has spent decades working on youth development and civic engagement. He is currently the president and CEO of Aspire Youth Development and was the former civic engagement vice president at the regional YMCA, as well as the program director of the Model United Nations Conference, which is how Kelly and I first met. He has impacted and inspired generations of young people throughout his long career, and we are very excited to learn from him and talk to him about the leadership lessons that he can instill, as well as what led him to this moment. Um, so please allow me to welcome Curtis Myers. Yeah, Curtis, thank you so, so much for um, agreeing to do this. And we're so excited to talk to you. I know you were such an integral part of our officer experiences um, growing up. And, you know, I only got to work with you maybe like half the year, but just that half year was very impactful for me. So um, just wanted to start off by saying thank you for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. We are going to go ahead and Bravin is going to start with some questions. Sure. Yeah. Ahead, well, it's good to see you, Curtis. And again, Always. just to echo Kelly, I uh, really appreciate you and the uh, advice and um yeah, positive impact you've had on me, uh, and it's continued beyond being an officer. So, really appreciate the conversation we had earlier this Thank year you so as well. Much. You guys are too uh, kind. Thank you. <laughs> we have to hype you up before the interview. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah our audience. Yeah, we want our audience to think our guests are are very legit. So we gotta. <laughs> um, but I guess to start, you know, our kind of interactions with you started through. The model UN program um, mm -hmm. and so as like you know one of you know the, the really founders of this program would like to hear in your words what the purpose of it is um, mm -hmm. yeah and like why do you think it had such a big impact on all of its participants 
That's that's a great question. Um, so one one minor correction: I am not the founder. I came in in two thousand. Uh, two thousand is when I when I started um, uh, serving as uh, the program director of of the Model UN uh, programs, and I served as civic engagement director for the Y. So I was responsible for Model UN and oversight over youth and government. And we already had great leadership and um, youth and government, so it was just stay out the way and let them do their magic. But um, at the time when I um, took over the Model UN in two thousand, actually it was ninety nine. Um, the, the the program would be in transfer from Y one YMCA to another. Um, the pro the program, I think, was started in the, I want to say in the mid, late 70s or early 80s. It was, it was around a while. But there was a change in leadership there. Um, they just needed a, a new, some new perspective and new blood. Um, so one of the things that for me, I saw the opportunity was that, hey, at that time, we had about 400 young people in this program and they were all passionate about, you know, global issues um, and debate. And I just looked at it and said, that's great that these young people are so impact, uh, so interested in making a difference in their world. We need to focus on character, right? Because otherwise this program simply becomes a program about, can I get my resolution passed? Can I, can I create, you know, uh, can I win my ICC or ICJ court case, those types of things, but it's not really about developing who you are as a person. And so for me, I looked at it and said, we should use model UN, um, as the same type of character development tool as as many um, young people use, whether it's their sports teams become something that develops their character or musicians or, or theater students. I think it should be a great extracurricular that really uh, is a model to help shape who you are and help you think about the kind of person you want to be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that um, that definitely came across in the way the programs were, were conducted. Um, and so, you know, it, why do you think so many kind of students and, you know, alumni continue to feel like impacted by the programs, tend to come back. Like, what do you think about it? Um, kind of like, please yeah. I think it's finding like-minded people. Like this is, this is your space. And so, you know, when you're in a general high school, right. You know, do you, you know, who do you sit with at the lunch table? So this was a room full of the people that you might sit at the lunch table with people who had common interests and common thoughts, you know, that, um, but then also it gave you a chance to meet different people from other similar lunch tables from different schools. And so I thought that, um, there was a, there was a connection. Um, yeah. So that, that to me, I think is one of the big things. Like it was a place where people could find a sense of belonging. It was a place that, um, people could find some sense of encouragement and affirming who they were. One of the, 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 the things that we wanted to emphasize with, with the program was this idea of, of recognizing people for doing ordinary things because it reinforced force that those ordinary things actually become extraordinary. So the character development awards to me were huge when people would just acknowledge somebody for, for showing honesty, caring, respect, and responsibility, and kind of shape that those cultures and those values are important. So it wasn't just that I get the outstanding country award or the outstanding position paper award, or outstanding brief, but you know, anytime during the conference, anybody, you didn't have to be the, the chair, didn't have to be the advisors. Anybody could say, Hey, I want to recognize as a delegate from from Panama, you know, when we were when we were caucusing, they really showed caring to me because I was nervous and they helped me get over my fears of public speaking and that ability to make that kid from Panama realize, oh, my God, I can have an impact in somebody's life. I think that was priceless. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely, those are definitely one of my favorite parts of the, the conference. I feel like the, the resolutions and the debate on like the actual issues were definitely secondary to like the, the character development and like the reflections and stuff like that. Um, I feel like the debate just like facilitated the character growth. Yes. Um, yes, exactly. But great. I mean, I think that, you know, my last question in this section is just kind of broader to your kind of work with the YMCA and just wanted to mm-hmm. ask like, what do you think, you know, the YMCA's role in is in youth development and like, what were some of the highlights of your career with, um, with that institution? Yeah, I think it was a great convener of young people. It had a certain amount of um, institutional trust um, that I think is critical and important. Um, and I think it had values, right? The right kind of value, especially when it comes to youth development. Like it really did have a value of, you know, finding youth voice and helping them develop it. And the goal was to help them become better. So I think my personal values and the values of the why really aligned well, right? Uh, for me. Um, and with every organization, um, there's what the organization is and does, and it's what each person in that organization does. And so I, lo- I used to always tell people I had the why values before the why values told me what the why values were. So you didn't have to convince me of honesty, caring, respect and responsibility. You didn't have to convince me of youth voice and empowering young people and helping them find their way. We aligned. And so it was great. So it was a great impact for me. It helped me amplify my reach. It helped me meet some incredible, incredible young people and and alumni and adults. And um, it just it's been it was been it's been a great experience. So this Bridges perfectly into our next section to talk a little bit more about your own background. Um, And I'm Mm -hmm. curious, you know, what in your life led you to have these same thoughts as the why of respect, caring? What made you you? It's a great question. That, that's, that's, that's so funny. Um, I've been talking about this concept of like, what makes your values your values? And so for me, one of the formative things in my life, there's two very formative things I'll say very briefly. I was a military kid, right? My, my, my dad was in the military. That shaped me a lot. And I was raised in a very faith-based home. So I valued, you know, my, my, my church community was a very important part of my upbringing and the values that I had. The military lifestyle shaped me in the sense that, you know, I we had to get along with people quickly and really well because we didn't know how long they were going to be here. Like many of you guys, you grew up in a town. I grew up in a couple towns and and then people that I grew up with came from many different towns and left. So my best friend in fourth grade could be gone in fifth grade. And so it, it made us kind of learn how to get along and kind of like not have um, over uh, overextended problems because it's like, man, what, why are we fighting? Like, let's let's get back to peace. Like we can have confrontation, but let's reconcile because, dude, you could get your dad could get orders and you could be you could be moving to Germany like in a month. And so so that ability to connect with people and to respect people and to try to find the commonality stuff with people. And when I tell you that growing up, like my friends were everything on the spectrum. Like I literally grew up with so many different ethnic groups, multicultural ethnic groups in the military. Um, So those things were huge. And then the core values of respecting, loving people, um, you know, the fact that I really genuinely believe that God has a plan and a purpose for everybody. And we have this interconnectedness that came from my church background. So those are the kinds of things that that really, I think, shape who Curtis is. Um, And I, I live out every day. 
Do you think the church aspect of growing up and the faith aspect, was that kind of the string that held everything together with so much change? I absolutely. And uh, and that's why I really thought the role of like the alumni advisors. So I was always fortunate that I had like good 20 somethings in my life. You know, my dad was stationed in Korea for a year and I had older guys that looked out for me. I'm the older brother. My brother's five and a half years younger than me um, and or five years younger than me. And um, so I was 10 10, 11 years old. And I was the man of the house because my dad was moving to, had to be in Korea for a year. But I always had these older, the uncles that I was telling you about, right? And even when I became like a rebellious teenager at 14, 15, I didn't, my mom and dad didn't know anything. I had those guys that would be in my ear and say, boy, what are you doing? Listen to what they said, you know? So I think that you're right. I think that faith community and the values of living in a, in a, uh, a church and uh, that kind of thing, that really, really was the glue that kept a lot of that stuff together for me. So you went on to study at Wharton. What was that experience mm-hmm. like? I was incredible. Like I, um, I, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to go. Like I was afraid. I was like, I'm not going to make it there. So I turned down a scholarship to University of Delaware and to Johnson C. Smith and University of Maryland. And I said, I just got to figure out if I can do it. And so I went there, and it was a great decision. I was really challenged um, academically. Met my lifelong friends and my college roommates are like my brothers to this day. Um, different friends there, um, and I learned a lot. But then I also learned more about myself. So I went to study finance and I'm like, I'm going to Wall Street. I'm going to make all this money, do all this stuff. But then I kept getting connected to the community. Like I've kept finding myself like volunteering for peer mentoring programs in West Philadelphia, uh, working with uh, one summer internship. I was working with incoming college students and helping them expose them to careers in business. So I kept finding this passion that I had for working with others. And so when I went out of school, I, I went and you know worked for GE Financial Management Program for, for a bit and just was a square peg in a round hole. And then I just had to start realizing like, well, who is Curtis? And I tried to work in a, a smaller uh, entrepreneurial venture that was a market research firm from a, um, uh, an alumni from Morton. And um, through a series of events, started working in community organizations and ultimately was at the table with the YMCA. Um, and we did some collaborations together when I was working for another organization. And that's how I eventually got to the YMCA. It took a few years, but um, I just really, you know, I think when you are young, you have to give yourself space to evolve and change, right? And 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 at all times of your life, where you think, I think this is who Curtis is, and then I started realizing, no, I don't know if that's really, that's not what I think I really want to be and do. And being able to be bold enough to to shift it and say, yeah, I know I have a Wharton degree in finance and entrepreneurial management, but what does that mean for what I do? And so I don't really use my finance side of my degree, but I use entrepreneurial management all the time as program management and thinking about how to build institutions and or, um, or build organizations and build projects. And I use that side of my brain in the development from that. But, you know, I couldn't help you with any kind of financial derivatives if I wanted to. <laughs> I was wondering what the gap was on your LinkedIn page from graduate. Yeah. Yeah. college to the why and now you uh definitely explain yeah. that well so why youth leadership because it seems you know from the yeah. why from aspire which we'll talk about a little bit more um you mm-hmm. just have such a focus on on young leaders yeah I, you know honestly kelly it's funny because i i see young people in myself like i remember curtis at 15 16 i remember you know coaches 
Um, I didn't just play on the football team. I, I, I was mentored by the coaches. I didn't just, I wasn't just in the, the, the marching band and the jazz band and that kind of stuff. Like I remember Mr. Watson. I remember the lessons that Mr. Watson taught me. I remember having to play my first saxophone solo in the jazz band in a concert with my knees shaking. And I remember Mr. Watson said, you can do it. Don't fake it. You know, the notes play it. And I remember that feeling of standing up and playing, you know, this saxophone solo. And facing my fear, getting over it, and then sitting down and everybody clapping and saying, like, I did it. I did it. And so I always realize that there are moments in our lives that um, can help shape us. And for me, youth development is about how do I help young people have those moments and be shaped properly by those moments, right? Not be traumatized by those moments, not to be um, hindered by those moments, but to use those moments as learning opportunities. So, you know, I wasn't a great football player, but I was a good enough football player and I had an opportunity to play at Penn. And I got to Penn and I wasn't good enough, but I learned so many things about life from playing football. I learned stuff from the jazz band. I learned stuff from my 11th grade um, English teacher, you know, just certain things that just stuck with me. And so to me, I just believe like, I don't want young people to grow up accidentally. I want young people to grow up intentionally. And if we can help create opportunities for them to learn about themselves, to use those experiences to help um, develop develop who they are, they'll go much further. So we know a lot about the why. Tell us a little bit about your work with Aspire now and, and what it was like to found that organization. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I literally started um, Aspire. I was w- at, with the Y for a while. And when I went to work with uh, this organization for a little bit, um, when I left, people started asking me. This was years ago, um, before Model UN. And people were asked, I was doing this leadership program called the Points of Light Youth Leadership Institute. And some of the partners were like, hey, you're not, you're not at the Y. And we still want you to do that leadership training stuff that you did for our students. And there's nobody at the Y that does that. Can we hire you to do it? And so I was like, uh, sure. And so I just became a consultant and I just created an organization. It was just me called Aspire Youth Development. And, you know, I would just um, do certain trainings and workshops and things of that nature. And it was cool. And then um, when I when I left the Y, it was like, here's my opportunity to go build it right. And so I just went and pursued it. And I just said, you know, what are the things that I think would help young people grow? Where are the opportunities? And so I kind of focused on workforce development. Um, and so I got some contracts with the um, with the county and with the state Department of Labor and some stuff to really work with um, vulnerable populations um, to kind of help them find their way. And so it brought together my passion for collaboration, for young people, um, for um, being beyond um, programs with values. And so I've been shaping it ever since. And so I still do a lot of, not a lot, but I still do some leadership development training with young people and, and coaching people. But most of the stuff, I really train my team on how to connect with young people, how to help them solve problems when they run into these roadblocks. How do we help them push past? Because five years from now, they're going to be like, thank you. You know, how do you help people push past their problems? Yeah. So I think it's about identifying that everything in our lives is temporary. Right. Like it's temporary. And the difference between a stumbling block and a stepping stone is just how you approach it. I really like that message for sure, Um, especially with everything going on right now. But, 
you know, you've worked with a lot of different young leaders, aspiring leaders. What trait do you think makes um, a young leader successful? I think it's the ability to work with others. I really do. I think it's the ability to work with others and value others. And the reason I say that is we're all wired intrinsically to get what we want our way, what I, what's important to me. And I don't know if you remember when we talked about what great leaders do is they, 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 we have those concentric circles, right? There's what you want and there's what we want. And great leaders always help you to see where do those circles overlap? Let's focus on that. And so if you can always focus on how do I help Kelly win? How do I help Robin win? Even though it may not be helping me win, I think right now we can find a common piece I will win eventually. So that ability to work with others, to value other people, um, I think is critical. Um, and that's what I think is so dangerous right now in our culture. The, the divisiveness that we have is to keep us separated. And we have to fight to figure out like, man, how do I get along? How do I work with people? How do I um, interact with people who we may not agree on everything, but my gosh, we are making our disagreements huge. And some of our disagreements need to be worked out together so they don't have to be disagreements. Like if we can learn from each other, like, man, I understand why, why that hurts you so much, right? Why that's painful. Maybe I'm looking at it wrong, you know? Um, and then we can also decide like, okay, that's just a difference of opinion. Like it's okay. You like blue. I like red. Okay. That's not, we don't have to be mortal enemies, but right now we live in a culture where it's like, everything has to be like, absolutely. You're this or you're that there's no, there's no nuance. There's no in between. It's just like, you're either this or you're that. And we, and I think there are some things that you, you know, you have to be this or that, but not everything is this or that, you know. Where do you see a space for youth voices to help solve that issue? I think you guys are more uniquely equipped than you know. And the reason I say that is if you remember last summer um, in the great um, uprising, I would say the consciousness around racial disparity and, and all that stuff, it was, I went to four different marches in my community. Four for four were led by young people under the age of 20. Four for four. They were able to mobilize people. They were able to speak to others um, and challenge others. Now the role for older people is to, all of us were them. I did the same thing when I was in college and stuff like that. I had the same values. But as you get older, you become more cynical. You become more like, well, blah, 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 blah. But the ability is to like keep the, bring the youth voice, which is the values and the passion, and then come alongside with um, older, uh, mature voices to say, let me help us keep moving this forward. What are some of the things that I can do with using? Because a lot of times, you know, no disrespect, but a lot of times when you are young, you don't have as much power, right? You can you can make noise and say what you want, but you're not sitting in the C-suite, so you can't make a policy change. Now, you can scream and help lead the policy change, um, but then ultimately you need somebody who's like, they're right. We need to make sure that we do this. We need to change this policy. And so you need to have that, that partnership. So 
every great movement in our country, probably even in the world, I would dare say, is generally started by young people. And so, um, but there has to be this collaboration of, I'm, I'm, I have this idealism, I have this hope, I have, and it's for my future, because I am the future, I'm the present and the future, you're the future and the past, right? There are more years behind Curtis than there are ahead of Curtis, right? So it's important for Kelly and Bravin to make sure that you have more years ahead of you. And so I want to, you guys want to shape the, the, the country, your world, your communities forward. And my job is to say, how can I support them? How can I make sure that the things that I've dealt with in my lifetime or things I've seen, how can I help them that they don't have to have that? Robin, I think that's an excellent segue into your next topic and our final topic. Yeah, I think that kind of just broad questions about leadership. I mean, I think the goal of our podcast is to encourage young people to think of themselves as leaders, to get involved in their communities. Um, and in just the broadest sense, in your mind, like what is the definition of a leader? What does a leader do? A leader influences others for the betterment of all. You know, they take action, they mobilize, inspire people um, to move things forward and to improve things for the benefit of all, right? Or the benefit of, of a larger of the larger context. So it's not just I lead so I get my way, but I lead to make the way better for all of us. Yeah, I think that's a pretty strong definition. I mean, so you've been leading these, you know, the YMCA programs and now at Aspire. What do you think about you um, and what kind of tools and characteristics do you have, do you think kind of made you so successful and can be passed on to others? Yeah, I, I think it's embracing who you are, understanding your why, and being unapologetically embracing your why. So you've heard a lot of my whys. And so not only do I, and leadership to me is not just, um, okay, I'm, I run the Model UN or I run Aspire, but I'm a leader in my community. Like I get involved. I do things. And a lot of times I'll sit on a committee and before you know it, um, I may be the chair of that committee or I'm just be a very active member because it's something that needs to be addressed. So right now I'm involved in the DEI work with the Chamber of Commerce um, in Burlington County. I serve on our municipal alliance because I feel like we have to do some things to reverse the uh, substance abuse issues and challenges that we're facing in our community. So to me, it's it's about getting involved and it's, it's realizing like I can make a difference and, you know, I may not make the 40 under 40 list or this list or that list or my name may not be known and I may not be the town, the mayor or the ca- uh, county commissioner or this, but actively and involved civic engaged people make a difference whatever that engagement looks like you know whatever your passion is whatever your issue is whatever your why is just get involved in that that is huge yeah absolutely um i think you know one of the things that's discouraging for a lot of young people is like looking at like for example our political scene right now where a lot of the leaders don't embrace that kind of mentality that leadership is about benefiting all people why do you think that those kinds of leaders have been successful and where do you think the space is for like servant leadership in in our world today every time i i, I see things or what i've watched the last couple of years i my heart breaks because i feel like we needed more kids involved in model un and youth and government 
not about our brand and our program. I mean, all over the country, like people that understand that. Because what remember one of the things I always said to you guys about this is about calling yourself to your highest self, right? You know, when we talk about those character values, of, it's like Curtis can be a negative frat boy, not no disrespect to frat guys, negative frat boy, Kurt, or he could be his highest self, right? And so our programs, the programs that you guys continue to make happen, call young people to their highest value, to their highest self, to, for, to, to be their anti-Jersey Shore. You got me? What's happened is we all have Jersey Shore in us, right? And so if we don't suppress that foolishness, we let that come to the top. And that's what is, I think is happening in the political system. It's not the politicians, it's we, the people, have said, yeah, we want that. And so when we said we want that, more of them said, well, let me be my worst self. Let me show you my, my, my most arrogant, egotistical, insensitive, cold, like just, we, we've allowed people to bring out the worst because we voted for them. And because we didn't talk to our neighbors, our friends, our, our brothers and sisters, our community members, and really espouse those values. So the Model UN Conference and the Youth and Government Program, that's not for a weekend. That's to change you so you can change others. So you live out those values. So when people ask me, who do I support and why? I'll tell them. And it's not just because of the platforms, because everybody, nobody agrees with everyone's platform. Right. But I always talk about the character of what this person is and does, because it's important because the tone, the the way they lead, you know, hey, I voted for George Bush and I've also voted for for Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. Right. So I'm not like I'm a hardcore D. I'm a hardcore R. But I look at like that. That's a good guy. That's a solid leader. I vote for, you know, my local people who I know who work in the community, who I think like Jean Stanfield is. I don't care what she runs for. She's got my vote. Right. You know, because of the kind of person she is, because she carries herself in a certain way. That's what I talk about. I don't care about how bombastic you are and how, you know, whatever, even if you agree with something, if you're bombastic about something that I value, it's not good for us. And I think that's what's happening. So we need more people to get involved and speak out. And let's stop with the um, let's stop with the ridiculousness of our of our social media um, uh, voicing. And let's let's use our social media and our voices to amplify something better. And then let's start demanding something better. And then some of you guys just got to run for office, you know, and, and put yourself in those positions and keep speaking. Because I just believe that people, people want better. People will go to their worst self. But if you give them something to aspire to, something to hope to, something that's like, that's better. I don't want the class clown leading me. I want the person that I think is the most caring person, the, the smartest person, the person that I think really has my best interest. That's who I want leading my community. Well, speaking of kind of people wanting to hold the office, I, I guess our last question to you is, what is your advice to young people, students that are looking to be leaders in their community, whether it be elected leaders or otherwise, and how can yeah. they be leaders in their community? 
Yeah, find, find the issue and the cause that's important to you and get educated and informed and involved with it. That's it. So if it's environmental issues, just learn about what needs to be done in your community. Um, and I, I, I believe in starting locally and then moving globally, right? So you can understand, because um, there isn't a world, there's just a bunch of communities that make up the world. And so our ability sometimes, sometimes we think the world is too big, so I can't do anything. But start small and then you can realize, hey, I can multiply this out. I can raise my platform. I can raise my audience. And so I just think that um, just make a difference. And guess what? You will make a difference. Like, I'm not a state senator. I'm not a congressman. I'm not, you know, I'm not even the mayor of my town. But I definitely have had a big impact in my community. I know I have, and I know how I do it. Um, and I've had a big impact in the world. And a lot of people in the world don't know me, right? But I know I've had, my personal passion is empowering young people. So I've helped push some young people forward who are now adults and they're in their thirties and forties and all that stuff. But you gotta know your, you, you gotta know what your passion is and you gotta know why you're doing it. And your why can't be for attention, for fame, for likes, for, you know, for popularity. It's gotta be for the, for the cause that you really care about. If you stay true to that, you will have impact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think that kind of concludes all of the questions that we had for you. Um, this okay. is a great conversation. <laughs> I, I was reminded of, of why you had such a huge impact on, on us. Um, and again, just really appreciate you taking the time. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, no, thanks again, Curtis. Seriously. Um, you know, can't thank you enough both personally and, and for the podcast. We appreciate it. Nah, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I love to give back to this program, this program. Uh, I know people look at me and say, well, you know, you gave so much to the program, but I can't even begin to tell you how much I've received from this program, from the incredible relationships that I've uh, formed as a result of this, what I've learned even more about myself and leadership and really reaffirming my values and my why. And even some of my hows were were reaffirmed um, through working with so many incredible young people over the years. So thank you guys for what you've done for me and my pleasure to, to give back to, to the cause.